Well, good day and welcome to another episode here of the Disaster Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Davis, the Podmetic, and uh, we're back with uh, a really great episode, I I think, that um, kind of revisits some introductions that we haven't done in a long time for especially new listeners or newer listeners. I think it'll be good to go back and meet some of the team, and we're going to do a little bit of that today. Uh, before I can get to that, though, we have to get my co-host in here. So, uh, Sam, uh, introduce yourself again to everybody. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to do that. <laughs> I was focusing on Joe. Well, gee, um, I'm sort of, well, I'm retired out of EMS. I did that for 40 years. Uh, worked in the field, worked in the ER, worked with fire departments, worked on an ambulance, did a lot of teaching. Um, do, did disaster work with the federal DMAT CA6, retired from that recently. Um, I write when I get time, which hasn't been much lately. <laughs> and I do this podcast, which is one of the things I look forward to every week. What about you, Jamie? Well, uh, I'm a retired paramedic, uh, still held my RN license, uh, use it as a volunteer now and again. Um, primarily, uh, aside from this podcast, my most of my time is spent writing full-time, uh, where I write fiction and fantasy and science fiction genres. But uh, my love has always been for medicine and for healthcare and response to disasters and emergency situations. And I don't think I'll, that'll ever come out. Um, it, it's... You know, it, it's it's in the blood, and I think once it gets in there, you kind of you're in it for life. At least that's the way I feel. Yeah, 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 totally. We're all we're always be connected to it in one. Well, this is kind of my way of staying connected to it right here on this podcast, since I'm not doing any clinical medicine. But we have somebody who's well connected in 150 different ways, and that's Doctor Joe Holly. For heaven's sakes. Hi um, guys. How is everybody? We're great. How are you, Doctor Joe? Well, I'm doing fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's been a been a, a, a hectically busy uh, few weeks, and uh, it's going to continue to be that way for another few weeks, and then uh, I'll maybe get some summer. I hope. Maybe <laughs> we'll slow down a little bit. Well, we're we're going to talk about some of your adventures, and he just happened to tell us he was at a, a FEMA training and. Uh, counted up all the deployments he'd been on and came up with 43. I think that's probably a world's record. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but it, it, it surprised even me. So, uh, yeah, uh, my backstory is I'm an emergency physician and primarily an EMS physician. Uh, I'm in the Memphis area and work with uh, uh, many of the uh, fire EMS systems in the area. Uh, I've been with a federal USAR team since since the uh, beginning of the system in 1992, uh, and have been uh, lucky and blessed enough to be able to deploy pretty frequently, uh, and uh, have also been lucky enough to uh, be able to be on site at some of the most amazing events in our country's history in the last 30 years. Um, and, uh, you know, was, was at that 
course and we were all introducing ourselves briefly and you know it was a bunch of fema guys so all the question was how many times you been out right and i literally sat down and counted it up for the first time in years and was a bit astounded that i had that many i'm amazed you could remember all of them i could not remember all of them <laughs> uh, i literally had to reference some written material because i could not have told you a half of those um, you know, somebody could say, Hey, you remember hurricane X, Y, Z? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. That, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I was, on uh, <laughs> well, we're going to talk about some of those and uh, I know some of them have more meaning to you than others, but it might be interesting to go back and revisit that. But first you said you had a book you just read that was interesting. Uh, I did. I, I read, um, uh, a couple actually, um, uh, one of them much more related to um, uh, the stuff that uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, Jamie writes about a lot. Uh, and I was going to, I wanted to chat with him on that, but I did read a really interesting book. And, and of course now I have misplaced it somewhere. Um, but the, uh, it, it was a book that was written by the, uh, engineer for one of the uh, Florida task forces about his two weeks or more at Surfside, and it wow. is a uh, uh, it, it's a short book. It is full of pictures. It explains everything about the building, everything about the team. Um, you know what the different roles are on the team. It, it's just it, it's not an overly done book but the the photography in it is awesome and uh i was uh again lucky enough that a picture that had he and i in it uh he put on the cover of his book so i uh i inadvertently made it on the cover of somebody else's book but uh it's uh i, I think it's like my 21 days at surfside or something like that it shouldn't be a hard book to find i remember seeing that cover you didn't yeah, even yeah, I think that I showed was, that to you guys a couple of weeks back. So. <laughs> yeah, you send, send us the info on that. I'm sure Jamie will post it. Right, Jamie? I will. And so now let me just get the tally right. You have 43 FEMA deployments, and you're also a cover model. So, <laughs> yeah. Only one of those. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was a colossal failure. So. <laughs> oh, i got to love it. Yeah, we've been, uh, Jamie and I have been talking about a couple books that are out there that we might try to chase down some authors, so that should be fun. Well, I kind of went back and picked out some that stood out for me, um, and even though the, it, this predated this 10-year list I was looking through, when you and I met, we talked a little about this last week, you know, we found only later in that week of EMS world that I was a ground zero when you were at the Pentagon. And that kind of cemented our relationship right then and there, because, you know, it was one of the, it happened to be September 11th when we sat down and had that first meeting about the podcast. And you remember the rest of that story, but um, you know, the fact that you and I could appreciate that event, even from different perspectives. Um, but tell us a little bit about what, USAR did there. Maybe explain a bit about what USAR does in general. 
Uh, well, I'll be glad to. So uh, the, the system consists of 28 teams that are scattered around the country. Um, they are uh, made up of uh, both civilian and fire-based folks and include uh, physicians, uh, medics, engineers, uh, canine search people, uh, structural specialists, um, search and rescue specialists. And the real impetus for these teams coming together in the first place was a recognition back in the 90s that uh, buildings, concrete, particularly reinforced concrete structures, uh, when they collapsed or uh, beyond the capabilities of many fire departments. Uh, and so um, the, the concept w was, you know, brought up about trying to establish some sort of uh, unique capability in that realm, which was a bit more than any single or group of fire departments themselves could afford to do. They're, they were, you know, fairly fairly infrequent. They took a lot of training, a lot of tools, a lot of equipment, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, that was sort of the formation of the teams. We, we ended up with um, uh, a uh, uh, deploying early on to the Murrah building in Oklahoma City. That was one of the first deployments for many of the teams. Uh, and since that time have sort of become the uh, Swiss Army knife for uh, the FEMA immediate response deal. So we do hurricanes, we do floods, we do collapsed buildings, uh, tornadoes, uh, you know, WMD events, and you name it. It's kind of grown to be a little bit of everything since that time. Uh, and September 11th obviously was uh, a really big call out for most of the country uh, as far as all the teams were concerned and that sort of stuff. Indeed. And for, for the DMATs, it was the same thing. We envisioned ourselves just working natural disasters and then to be involved on taking care of the people inside the perimeter at Ground Zero was kind of mind-boggling. We didn't see that one coming. Jamie, question? Yeah, Joe, just out of curiosity, hearing about the beginnings of, of USAR uh, at the federal level and and uh, how those teams came together and, and went from a seems sounds like they went from a a very specific training situation to being used utilized in multiple different scenarios. And I'm curious how that adjusted the, the training requirements for team members over the years. Uh, well, you're, you're hundred percent correct, Jamie. It, it, it did, uh, you know, the initial focus was very much, uh, uh, more narrowly focused, uh, and as uh, as time went by, uh, the the wider variety of uh, disasters that occurred um, resulted in teams being uh, implemented and, and dispatched for uh, stuff that wasn't exactly what we trained to do. But the the processes were in place, the the logistics were in place, the the training was. Um, uh, robust enough that allowed us to be able to turn the battleship a little bit and focus in some different directions. Uh, the system has been very good at 
aggressively looking uh, at after action reports and that sort of stuff and continuously upgrading training based on uh, what happened, you know, at the last deployment. So it, it's moved from uh, now into a, a it's it's very technically and technologically sophisticated. We use drones and satellite mapping and, uh, you know, GPS and all kinds of technological stuff that allows us now to uh, do everything from, uh, uh, you know, search and rescue in its purest form, going out and finding people that are, you know, trapped or, or in trouble, to uh, doing uh, damage assessments on entire uh, neighborhoods and uh, capturing uh, vital information about uh, the needs of folks who sheltered in place or who are uh, whose you know house might be intact, but the bridge that gets to their house is destroyed, and so they're stuck uh, and are going to need you know help to to maintain themselves there. So it, it's been a it's been a a very interesting journey to see how how much things have changed. And obviously, as that technology comes on board, that means there's lots of training that has to be done. Uh, to make certain that we know how to use it and to use it properly and and uh, adequately, uh, and and then we we frequently take that and sort of like, hey, we could try doing this with it too. Let's try that, and you know, boom, off we go on another tangent. So it's a very innovative bunch of folks and uh, an incredibly dedicated, committed an intelligent bunch of people that uh, do this work. Uh, I'm certainly very proud to have been part of the system for a long time. Uh, and, you know, I think it's it, it's one of those that it's very difficult, I think, for the public in general to appreciate the, the level of capabilities of many of these teams because they simply don't see them in action very much. Uh, obviously, a lot of things we do are before the press gets there, uh, and we're we're in and out, you know, and and gone before the the communication infrastructure is back up and moving very well. And so, you know, the the stories are done of the stuff that we've done, and we've already cleared out, and now it's left to clean up and all that kind of stuff. So, it, it's uh, it, it, it's it's a very impressive thing to see one of these teams work. I'll just put it that way. Oh yeah, and I know we've you know, every deployment that you've been on since we've been doing this podcast. There's always something different. They're always unique in some ways, and there's always some new lessons learned that, like you say, you pass on in training for the next one. How about Hurricane Matthew? That was down on my list here. Tell me some more about Hurricane Matthew. I don't remember much about it. Uh, well, I'd have to go back and actually look at that. Uh, I know one you will remember, Hurricane Irma. Uh, I do remember Irma, and I remember Matthew now. Uh, that was that was the one that went up the East Coast, right, that had the, the flooding and stuff all up the East Coast? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one was uh, very interesting. What's funny is my wife walked by the door and went, hey, that was the one that was in North Carolina. Right? <laughs> you know, I don't know anything, but uh, – Anyway, the uh, that one was uh, quite interesting in that um, we had teams scattered out over about seven different states uh, and literally sort of uh, 
uh, leapfrogged each other up the coast as we chased after that storm. And um, I think I probably drove 1,200 miles during the you know two and a half weeks I was out for that storm, um, just all the way up and down the East Coast, literally sleeping under the car and uh, you know, working, working all the time. And as soon as we kind of got past one area, we, they, they'd send us far forward to the next one. So that was a, a very active event for sure. You were sleeping under the car, Joe? That, uh, under a truck, usually. That couldn't be comfortable. But it never is. But, you know, you just, you're tired and you just fall asleep wherever you can. Well, so. that, that's a fact. You can stand up and fall asleep. But, you know, since you mentioned Kimberly, um, why don't you mention what it is she does for FEMA? Well, I'll be glad to. Uh, very proud of her. She uh, joined our team as a canine handler uh, a few years ago and has uh, subsequently certified uh, three dogs in uh, FEMA Class 1 Search and Rescue, which is a very stringent uh, program. We have two uh, human remains detection dogs and one live find dog. Uh, and, uh, she has deployed, uh, a number of times with the dogs. The last time she went out, uh, on a FEMA deployment was hurricane Ian. She and, uh, one of her dogs were out for, um, uh, two weeks there at hurricane Ian. Uh, but she's also deployed, uh, locally here in support of, uh, local law enforcement for everything from uh, some crime scene type work to uh, missing persons stuff. So she's uh, she's quite active as well. And I remember when she first started learning how to be a trainer. So that, you know, she evolved amazingly over time. We'll have to get her back on to talk about that. Uh, Hurricane Harvey followed by Hurricane Irma, Irma, and I remember them because we were both deployed at least three times, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember that one as well. Uh, we were sort of in the western gulf for Harvey, and uh, the, that was quite busy. I think that I got home from that one on a Saturday morning and was the, my wife had picked me up at the airport and we were driving home and the phone rang and they said, can you deploy again this afternoon? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I got home, yeah. I washed some clothes quickly and I was on another flight about eight hours later, uh, heading to Florida for Irma. Yep. I remember that. Well, I was in, went out to Harvey twice and then, to Irma. Hurricane Florence. Uh, let's see. Gosh, um, I do remember Back Florence. Um, the, all these hurricanes probably start running together. Well, you're that. exactly right. They do. Um, I, I kind of forget. Was Florence in Houston? Florence. Yeah, Kimberly would know. I'd have to go back to the website. Well, we'll think about that one. How about Hurricane Michael in Mexico Beach? Yeah, that was a really, uh, 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 personally, a, a really great deployment for me. Um, we we had a lot of things that worked in our favor and in in our patients' favor. So we we had a uh, we were literally en route to Mexico Beach. Um, 
we were driving down some, you know, road that had trees and power lines down everywhere and just trying to snake our way through there. And there was a, a, a couple on the side of the road in a car uh, that uh, had looked like it had either, you know, driven or skid off the road. I mean, they weren't really, they weren't hurt, but the wife looked like she was having an anaphylactic reaction. And we, we learned later had uh, been stung by a wasp uh, on her tongue and so had a tremendous amount of swelling in her face. And we were, uh, got flagged down there and stopped and were able to give her some medications and take care of her. And we loaded her up in a, in a vehicle and drove her to a, a hospital that was sort of barely open uh, and uh, uh, managed to make a big difference there because she was very close to not having an airway anymore. Uh, so that was quite a good save. And then uh, literally the next day we were set up in, in a, uh, a neighborhood in Mexico beach that was sort of under construction. There were three or four houses in the subdivision and then a lot of empty lots or, you know, just, just cleared lots where they were about to start building houses. So we literally just camped in the middle of the street and uh, one of the homeowners happened to return to his home uh, a day or so after we got there, maybe the next day, and um, was outside, you know, cleaning up trees and down stuff and trash and all that stuff and had a had a heart attack. And thankfully, we we were close enough to see that happen and uh, were able to intervene on that guy and uh, get him taken care of. Uh, so that worked out, uh, worked out well also. And then we had, um, quite a few fines on Mexico beach. There were an awful lot of people that had chosen to, uh, shelter in place in that very small community. And it got hit extremely hard, uh, and had a tremendous amount of damage with a lot of homes that were on the shoreline, just completely destroyed. So we were able to locate several, uh, missing persons down there, um, uh, both with the dogs and with our own efforts. So that was a, that was a deployment that was, um, you know, personally very satisfying just because we, we were able to see that we did a lot of good stuff in a short period of time. Jamie thoughts. Yeah. I just listening to you. I remember we talked about that. We actually did, I think a report from you on that location uh, midweek uh, while you were there uh, in one of our episodes, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But I remember you talking about that rescue on, when you were en route and and also some of the, the situations that you encountered while you were there. And and I, I just, you know, I, I think it's interesting to hear you have that reaction that, you know, so often you go to a location and you do a lot of work, but there isn't there isn't that gratification of, of feeling like you made a big impact, but it seems like this one really made a difference, at least from your perspective. Yeah, it, it, it really did. I think it was just, we were, that, that one was a little bit unique in that we, we had immediate feedback that we had made a difference on two patients. I mean, there were two, you know, real saves and and not that we don't have those, but but often those are few and far between and to have two within a couple of days uh, and then a deployment that that, you know, showed the team to be extremely effective, uh, et cetera, was just a, 
a, a good feeling, right? It, it just sort of packed everything good into one deployment uh, for us. And I, I found that very, um, not only reassuring that we were doing the right stuff, but, it, you know, that we knew we were in the right place at the right time. And, and the whole team got to be part of those saves. And that was a, that was a huge boost for morale and that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of bad and disaster, needless to say. So to have something like that happen, that's a real upper. Real quick, um, um, Joe, how important is it after these these deployments to build upon those perceived successes and learn from anything that didn't go exactly the way it, it, you planned? Um, you know, I know there's a lot of after action in uh, reporting and follow up with the team members and tell us a little bit about how that works. Sure. Well, we, we, the team itself will do uh, you know, a hot wash. Uh, we'll, we'll sit down before we leave the area after we're sort of packed up and been officially told, you know, there's no more work for us to do. Uh, so we'll get packed up and then before we get on the road, we'll, we'll pull everybody together uh, and look for lessons learned. You know, we, we sort of try, we do, uh, you know, three things that went well, three things that didn't go well. Um, the team also captures all that in writing, uh, that goes into the system, uh, and all, all the teams that are deployed are doing that same process. So there's, there's, you know, the first layer is within the team. The second layer is, all of the teams and the management structure are uh, providing feedback and that is sort of compiled and then put out as a, an official after action. And then over time, common themes that, that bubble out of that are addressed at uh, working group meetings and, uh, you know, sort of rolled into standard operational procedure and, uh, you know, new equipment that we think we need and new things we need to train on and that sort of stuff. Okay. And one that I know sticks with you is the Surfside building collapse, which is not, was something a little bit different than the natural disasters you've been going on. Yeah, I, I think that one, as I look back on that, was one of the most profoundly impactful ones for me uh, for for many different reasons. Um, from a, a professional standpoint, it was by far one of the most complex uh, events that I've ever deployed to. Uh, just so very many things going on at the same time that that made it um, really challenging for everyone who was there. Um, and, and, you know, it was one of those, it, it's the deployment where, if we had used those scenarios as part of a training scenario, all the students in the class would go, Oh, come on, man. You just made, this is stupid. You're just making stuff up. I mean, come on. And, and yet, if you look at that deployment, we had, you know, a building collapse and active search and rescue going on and a concern that the building was going to fall of us, uh, fall over on us. And, Oh, then there's a COVID outbreak and, Oh, there's a hurricane coming too. And, you know, it just went on and on and on in its uh, level of uh, throwing one more wrench in the system to, uh, to mess you up. 
Uh, on a personal level, uh, I had a very close friend who uh, lost a family member uh, in that collapse. And um, I was honored to be able to be there uh, to support him and to participate in that just to help give him a sense of closure and and to support him in that terrible time for him. Uh, and obviously, you know, having a, a very personal connection there just made that uh, entire thing much more tragic and difficult to deal with. Oh, absolutely. I remember just talking to you during that period of time, and I could tell that your Jimmy could too, by the sound of your voice, that it was rattling you more than normal. So, yeah. Well, lastly, because I know we got to wind down here, Hurricane Ida and Hurricane Ian. Yeah, both of those were were <laughs> busy uh, for sure. Uh, you know, Ian's the most uh, the most recent in memory, of course, uh, and was a real challenge just because uh, the the distances were fairly long there. Um, uh, a lot of uh, area to cover on the coast. We were trying some new things. We, we had many, many, uh, I think we had more than 50 dogs, uh, deployed in the field and, uh, sort of how we were managing that. And, and that entire process was a little bit different than how we usually do it, uh, in that the dog, uh, teams were a bit more, uh, uh, independent than they had been on some previous, um, uh, rescues. Uh, just because we had so much territory to cover. Uh, and uh, obviously my wife was one of those canine handlers that was out there. And so, uh, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was a little bit of a new way of doing things. Uh, it was a little bit more personal to me than it would have been otherwise because my wife was on the other end of that new thing we were trying uh, and I was concerned, obviously, that, it, you know, how well it was going to work and was she going to be safe and effective and all those kind of things. So uh, that one was challenging. Uh, it, it turned out to be a quite a long deployment, a lot of stuff going on for a long period of time there uh, and, you know, a large number of folks uh, affected. So uh, that one kept things busy for a long time. Yes, it did. And lastly, uh Tell us about Paragon, because I don't think you even mentioned that. And and tell us how the lessons you've learned in your deployments translate to that experiential training. Well, I'll be glad to. So so Paragon uh, literally grew out of my experience in the USAR world uh, and my love of teaching. And, and so uh, it's a way that allows me to combine those two things. Um, the 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 company is uh, offers uh, high level simulation uh, and incorporates uh, cadaver training as part of it because of the realism that's part of that. Uh, the company's been going on for gosh uh, fifteen years probably. Uh, we do a lot of uh, training for military special operations now. Um, we do a lot of procedural uh, cadaver lab training. We'll be in uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, sorry, Orlando, Florida next month uh, doing some stuff. Um, we'll be in Fort Lauderdale in two weeks uh, doing a lab. Uh, 
so, uh, you know, it, it, it's just been a sort of a natural offshoot of um, these amazing people I get to work with. Also love to teach and to mentor. And it's a way to bring those folks together and let them utilize their hard earned experience and their phenomenal level of experience to pass on those the, those lessons to other folks, uh, particularly in the disaster world. It, it, you know, disasters don't tend to occur very frequently. And for many people, uh, one big disaster in their lifetime is all they'll get, maybe. And, uh, you know, by the time you learn the lessons from the first one, you never get a chance to put them to put them into action again on the next one when when you'd be really effective. So we try to we try to simulate that first one for them and get them uh, ready to go for uh, the real thing whenever it comes to their door. Well, I got to tell you, Joe, you're my hero. You always have been because I just can't believe all the things you do in so many arenas from CPR testing and training to everything we just talked about. So you are in fact, my hero, Jamie. Well, you say him. That's, that's really sweet to say it, 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 to me, it's all sort of just the other side of the same coin over and over and over again. So they all, they all tie together very naturally. And, uh, I, 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 I like the idea that maybe I'm giving something back, uh, you know, the 43 deployments are awesome and, and certainly something I'm proud of. But at the same time, if I if I don't work to share what I've learned over all those deployments, what good am I to the system? Uh, and, and so I really want to make sure that that we're able to 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 give pass that information on to the next generation. That certainly makes sense. Jamie. Well, and, and I, you know, I hear you, Joe, because there's so many people that are coming, you know, that are brand new coming into the system and learning the process. And it, it's great that you are able to pass that information along to new responders, to new USAR team members through your training that you do with FEMA, to all the things you do with Paragon and different jurisdictions around the country through Cadaver Labs and, and really building better um, medical providers um, through through the work you do. Um, where can folks find out what Paragon does um, directly and, and how um, you can customize something specifically for their area? Uh, sure. So uh, we, we have a website, paragonmedicaleducationgroup.com, uh, and Paragon Medical Group on Facebook. Uh, you should be able to get to us through the Disaster Podcast as well or the Disaster Podcast Facebook page. Absolutely. And uh, we encourage people to reach out and, and find out what's available for them because there's a wealth of information. We just went through um, what Joe was talking about. And if you think about having somebody who's been deployed on 43 disaster situations, uh, what it would be like to have someone with that kind of expertise and experience come in and, and help you be prepared for that one disaster that your system might encounter in the course of uh, a career. Uh, it's, it's just something that is, is hard, to, hard to quantify how important that could be for how response carries out through your providers in your area. So definitely follow up and, and get in touch with Paragon. Sam, where can folks find you? Well, what Joe said uh, and the usual social media places under Sam Bradley or Sam Bradley 11. What about you, Jamie? 
People can find me under the handle Podmedic in most social media locations, so definitely look me up there. You can also always find me over at the Disaster Podcast Facebook group, and I would be remiss if I didn't remind you to go over to DisasterPodcast.com where you can find your episodes. Uh, There are links right there on the page to subscribe using your favorite mobile device or even to subscribe by email. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes as we kind of wind into our 10th year uh, coming up here in in a few months, uh, we'll be doing some of these uh, follow-ups and retrospectives to kind of look back at what we've done over the past uh, 10 years or so and uh, what we're looking forward to covering more of in the future. Uh, We were just talking before this episode about several people we wanted to have on the show and and talk about uh, different things uh, that we haven't covered in, uh, enough times or at all in some cases. So we'll be doing that down in the future. Um, Sam, uh, this was a great chat with Joe and, and some of the deployments he's been on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of impacts that happen uh, and are, that are mitigated in some way by the response of the FEMA teams that get out there early and often when things happen. Absolutely. Happy anniversary. Who's having an anniversary? Aren't we having an anniversary? Oh, yes, we are. (laughs) There was somebody else's anniversary. Yes. Oh, it's our anniversary. Us. Almost 10 years. Yeah. But to tag on to what Jamie was saying, if you yourself or you know somebody that would make a great guest or you have a good topic for us, especially those of you in the community, please let us know and we will do our best to fulfill that for you. 